In this episode, we're going to be talking about Friends and Doctor Who and then music from Glenn Hansard, Lisa O'Neill, and Neil Young. I'm your hero, I mean host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates. It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you from a still slightly too warm day in St. Louis. It's getting better. It's getting more wintry. But we're in like the 50s. It feels like fall more than more than winter. It's, it feels like winter in the morning and overnight. It, we're getting into the 30s there. But like I feel like it should be just colder than it is. It's December. We got like a week and a half till Christmas. And it's a little bit too warm for my taste. But otherwise, I'm still in St. Louis. Still kicking around. And hey, guess whose car still sucks? It's mine. Uh, my car is back in the shop as I'm recording this talking to you. I talked about last week how the check engine light went on and we cleared it out and it had stayed off and uh, blah, blah, blah. Getting the car to go to work this morning as I'm recording this episode. And the check engine light came on almost immediately. So back to the shop it went. And I got there and... I'll just tell you, I'm recording this on Wednesday. I often don't like to tell you what day of the week it is. I don't know why. I, for some reason, feel like that hurts the show. Uh, and my uh, my shop is a, uh, you know, it's a small local shop that's a few blocks away from my house. I can walk to it. And uh, they, uh, they're closed on the weekends, which means that on Wednesday, they already have their Friday booked, you know? So it's in the shop, and it's going to be there for... Probably a few days, maybe over the weekend. I don't know. It's uh, inconvenient. So, uh, and it's going to cost money. I, 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 I don't know, man. It didn't even feel like it was driving badly. So hope, hopefully it's something small and easy. The guy that I talked to at the shop that I've been talking to for 20 years seemed relatively confident that it wasn't going to be anything major. But I know my luck. And I feel like it's going to be something major. And I feel like it's going to be a problem right before Christmas. So that's, that's kind of, that's the color of the background of my day. We've also got a adorable cat, McGuire, playing with a spring toy and meowing a lot there in the background. That might be recurring throughout the show. It's hard to know. Hard to know until you've done it. Uh, but that's, uh, that could be a factor. You might be listening to McGuire meowing away and running up and down the staircase and whatnot. Sorry if that bothers you. I'm uh, not a professional. I'm sitting in a kitchen recording this, and uh, I have cats, and they, they are going to make themselves known from time to time. Even when I'm on a... Like, I, I listened to last week's episode for some reason. I don't usually listen to my own voice except for when I'm editing it, but I listened to last week's episode, and there were a couple of times where I heard them. I, I heard the boys meowing and, and doing whatnot in the background listening back to it. I know not everybody does, but I, I like, I, it's not even that I know where to listen, because I, I forget things as soon as they're out of my mouth, you know, I don't know when things happened in the show, but uh, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely heard them a couple of times on last week's episode, so I hope that doesn't bother anybody, and if it does, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, because those are the two sweetest boys, and they are always going to be part of the show, so, Sorry. That's, sorry, I guess. I, I'm not really sorry, even. 
you get uh, you get what you deserve. Listening to me, you d- you deserve cats. If you love them, then you deserve cats. If you hate them, then you deserve cats. So that's uh, that's where we are. That's how it's going. Uh, I should get the websites out of the way because we're within the first ten minutes, and the metrics people really care about that. Uh, the the word the only metrics I uh, accept are fronted by Emily Haynes. Uh, the the websites of interest. If you like the show, it has a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. By the way, I usually post pictures and some additional information and stuff there. It's actually kind of worth your time. Uh, I don't write a lot between episodes or anything. I thought at one point I was going to years ago, but I I really haven't. But uh, I do post pictures and things there, so that that may actually be worth your time. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on your app of choice, and if it isn't, please let me know what your app of choice is, and I will get it there if I can. If you want to know more about me, you can go over to derekbrink.com, and there's plenty of stuff to click on there, mostly having to do with my music career. Speaking of which, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can download all of it for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and you can have it. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to interact with me, you want to send me an email, tell me your thoughts on the show, you can like, comment, and subscribe and stuff on your apps. That actually really helps the show's visibility. Please do that. But I will never read those comments. The way to get in touch with me is to email me at my initials, db at derekbrink.com. I reply to everybody who isn't mean to me in their email. So there you go, metrics heads. You, you metrics fans. If you are a metric fan, what's your favorite metric album? I think mine's Synthetica. Uh, I, I really like that one. Some of you, that's way too recent, even though that's probably a good 10 years old by now. Some of you, like, don't go past the first couple albums. Like, Live It Out was the line for you for some reason. I really like Synthetica. Uh, we got the websites in. Been, uh, been a heck of a week for me. I've been, it's been kind of draining and long, and now my car's back in the shop. So, you know, I always, get, I always get nervous when the car is in the shop, by the way, because that means my driveway is just sitting empty. And even though I'm home, and, like, I can't possibly not be home, my driveway is just empty. And that just feels like an invitation for crime that I'm going to encounter firsthand. Like, that that always worries me. Like, I, I would... If I had a better idea of when the car was going to be back, I would just call one of my neighbors and say, Hey, you can park a car in my driveway for a couple of days. And, you know, just when I tell you that, hey, I'm getting my car back, please move it out. You know, I, I, I should probably do that anyway. Just, I got, I, I, certainly one or two of my neighbors would be willing to do that. I just don't want to, it's not even that I don't want to get robbed. I don't want to see the robber. And I also don't want to get robbed because they're not going to know that I have cats and the cats are going to get out or be in danger. And I don't want that for those boys. But I it just, it makes me really nervous to not have a car in the driveway. Does anybody else have that? Am I, am I just paranoid and crazy? I mean, I, I, look, I know I'm paranoid and crazy, but, like, is that one of the ways in which I am? Email the show at db at com and tell me. Tell me if I'm crazy in that specific way. Hey, I want to do a little bit of cleanup on last week's episode, just a little bit, because uh, we, and by we, I mean I, we uh, talked quite a bit about Shane McGowan last week, and... A big focus of what I talked about was the Christmas song, Fairy Tale of New York. And I had a couple of people point out something to me that 
I think actually is valid and does need to be mentioned. My brother was actually the first one. Your your Papa Dave was the first one. And I kind of went, eh, you know, I, yeah, good point, but eh, you know. And then I got, like, more than one email as well, so I, I do need to actually probably address this. Uh, the song Fairy Tale of New York, I talked about how it has a problematic word in it that's a, a slur against gay people. Uh, it also has a slur against women in it, but no one seems to care about that one. Uh, but anyway, I, I talked about that and how, you know, that's kind of a shame because it, it, you know, limits the audience of that song a little bit, etc., etc., etc. My brother was the first, and a couple of you also pointed out there is an edited version out there. Now, edited is maybe the wrong word. There's an alternate version out there that uh, it does get played on radio and is, you know, I I was aware of its existence, I just don't particularly like it, because I, as much as I agree, yes, that word is horrible, we shouldn't say it anymore, I also think it was written in 1987, and I don't care, you know, <laughs> like on that level, like, like, okay, it wasn't, it wasn't the same intent then that people say it with, I mean, it was and it wasn't, you know, I, I just feel like some of those words get grandfathered in in the thing that they're in you know like there's some things that yes that's unacceptable it was less unacceptable then we can all be adults about this you know and like i prefer the original version of that song for exactly that reason but there is a version of that song that is a, an alternate lyric everything else about the song is exactly the same but that lyric is a lot cleaner a lot less problematic and uh, that's out there, and you can hear it on the radio, you know, anywhere that y there is a radio. So, uh, yes, that exists. That, that there is a version out there that people who find the original version problematic in a way that is hurtful or upsetting to them, or would be hurtful or upsetting to others that are in their lives, there is a version out there for you. Everybody can enjoy that song. Uh, everybody just can't quite enjoy it in the way that I want to, you know? And that's okay. It's okay that I'm somewhat deaf on this one. <laughs> I'm somewhat deaf all the time, folks. I can't hear out of my left ear. Not all of you know that. Uh, but I, it, it's okay that I have, you know, a, a leaning on language that is maybe a little bit alternative to my typical political base. Uh, I, look, I, I love that we've changed our dialogue. I love that we've changed our vocabulary. Uh, I, you know, I, I support that. I don't use those words. It, you know, I, I don't use derogatory words for people unless they're completely non-biased, non-gendered. You know, I'll call anybody a motherfucker. You know, that's, that's only offensive to people who fuck their mothers. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, gendered slurs, uh, uh, racial slurs, that kind of thing, I stay away from those entirely, obviously. That's the only thing you should be doing as a human being. But I, I also kind of go, well, look, this was a different time, a different place. I, I can get past that, you know? And I, I'm, I'm like that with virtually everything. Every now and again, there's something that's really old, that's really upsetting, <laughs> that I'll just go, all right, I, I'm not going to keep watching this, or, or whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, when the... I, I, I've always said there's no such thing as bad words, there's just bad intentions. So I feel like you have to listen to the heart, and I think Shane McGowan's heart was in the right place, and we talked... We, I went into detail on that last week. But there is a version out there that if you 
want to enjoy that song in a way that is not problematic to anybody except for women, because I believe that line is unchanged, uh, you can you can listen to that version of the song and, and be content and be unoffended and not offend others in that specific way. So that is worth mentioning because a lot of people mentioned it, and I'm sure that there were more who did not email the show that also thought about it. So that is out there. I didn't mention it because I didn't feel like it was worth mentioning until it became very clear that, oh, this obviously is worth mentioning because people are mentioning it. So there you go. Just wanted to clear that up. I also wanted to say that I recorded that episode and did my talking um, before the funeral of Shane McGowan, which was streamed on the internet, which I watched. And uh, the funeral had some really beautiful moments in it that a couple of which I've, I've watched multiple times. It just, it was a really beautiful thing. Uh, it was a Catholic service done in a, in a church there in Ireland. And uh, Shane was very well honored by many, many famous people and not so famous people. And it was, uh, uh, you hear the term celebration of life, and this was one. There was a lot of revelry and fun to be had. There were your somber moments as well. There was, you know, Nick Cave saying that's always going to be somber. Uh, and, I, and I like Nick Cave, but it's going to be somber. Uh, but there was uh, the one moment that I have to talk about that everybody who saw it is talking about is that uh, Glenn Hansard and Lisa O'Neill, both of whom have new records out that we're going to talk about in this episode, Glenn Hansard and Lisa O'Neill performed a new version of Fairy Tale of New York. I mean, a new version. They performed, you know, they did a cover of it for the, for the funeral. And uh, they, you know, with the traditional original lyrics and everything, although she kind of mush-mouthed it a little on purpose, I think. Uh, but uh, they they did that song, the original way, in a Catholic church. Never thought I'd see it. If, uh, if you're familiar with the song, you know it starts kind of quiet and somber and sentimental sounding and then just erupts into an Irish jig and is over the top and fun. And they did all of it. And it was beautiful because it, it had that, you know, kind of somber start and everybody knew what was happening. You know, it had that somber start. And even as I'm watching it, I go, I, I bet this is going to end up being a medley and he's just going to do the f first part and then, you know, morph into something else that's sad. And, you know, but no, they did the whole song. It got gloriously happy. And, you know, they and had a couple having a fight in it. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And the entire place just turned into a celebration that was very moving to watch. You uh, you know that you've done something right if they end up dancing at your funeral, and people were jumping over pews to dance together to that song. It was such a beautiful, wonderful thing. I, uh, I loved watching it, and uh, I just wanted to say that. The, the footage is out there. If you look for uh, Shane McGowan funeral or something like that on YouTube or... Glenn Hansard, Fairy Tale of New York, you'll probably find it. Uh, it's, it's worth your time to watch if you're a fan. It's worth your time to watch if you're not a fan. If you just want to celebrate Christmas, if you want to celebrate life, if you want to pay tribute to someone, uh, nobody does death like the Irish, you know? And they did it up real good on that one. And brought uh, Glenn Hansard and Lisa O'Neill back to mind for me. I'm, I've been glancingly familiar with both of them, but now, I, uh, now I'm uh, going to be talking about their albums here in a few minutes. So uh, put them back in my head, and uh, I'm grateful for that very much so right now. 
So, uh, that, uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Just wanted to bat some cleanup on last week. We've got plenty of new stuff to mess up this week. So let's, let's go ahead and do that. And I'm going to figure out what Jonko is digging at on the other side of this peninsula here in, in the kitchen. Because he is trying to get into one of the drawers. So we're going to check that out. And I'll be back with you in, in just about 30 seconds. All right, checkmates, I would like to talk to you about some stuff that I've been watching lately. Been spending a lot of time in front of the old idiot box, the boob tube, the... How do you say... Television? And I've been watching stuff, because that's what you do with the television, usually. You don't usually, like, bake on it. Some of you probably have. There's probably somebody out there who has, like, a, a whole website or podcast dev- devoted to how to bake on a flat-screen TV. It's a lot of lunatics out there. I've been watching Friends lately. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Friends. Uh, as, as you all certainly know by now, and if this is the first you're hearing of it, I am sorry, uh, Matthew Perry passed away recently. And that kind of put it in my head that, yeah, I'd really like to see some friends. But I, you know, my current streaming TV situation, I didn't really have the best way to do that because they're on one of the thousands of streaming platforms that I don't have. And I'm not getting any more goddamn streaming platforms. I'm just, I'm done. There's too many. I'm almost paying as much as, as cable. Why? You know, why? Why? So I, uh, I, I haven't, you know, been able to watch friends very easily. I was uh, in a store, I won't say which one, because they'll never give me money. I was in a store and uh, just bumped into, they had the good sense to have the complete Friends box set setting out, and it was incredibly reasonably priced for 20 Blu-rays, 21 Blu-rays, really. There's 20 actual episode Blu-rays, and then an extra disc of nonsense. Uh, And uh, I just kind of bumped into that and went, wow, that is a... Like, I almost wondered if it was mislabeled. It was so cheap. Because, you know, a 20-disc collection, I mean, you would expect that to be approaching $100. Nowhere near. Nowhere, like, 40 bucks. 40 bucks for 10 seasons of a, a funny comedy show that I more or less grew up with. Grew up with is a little strong, but had my teen years with, certainly. And uh, I popped on that. I, I bought that. I thought, well, this is... This might be a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence that I found this this reasonably. I'm going to take it home, you know? So I took it home, and I started watching it. I, uh, as we're speaking, I am on disc 17 out of 20, so I'm getting close to the end. Rachel's had her baby and everything. Spoiler alert, Rachel has a baby. Uh, so that's, that's where I am. I'm, I'm that deep in. I'll tell you this. Uh, there are uh, ways in which the show has not... Uh, aged well of course there are it was made you know 20 and 30 years ago that's uh boy doesn't that feel great that that some of the 90s is like 30 years ago uh that's uh you know that 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 happens stuff doesn't age great a few decades later it's okay we already talked about that i can get over that you know uh 
but uh, there and there are idiosyncrasies about the show that you maybe didn't notice at the time. Like they're all really terrible people, uh, and uh, you just you when you watch it all kind of in a marathon setting, you really get sick of Ross's bullshit pretty quick. Uh, he's just not a just not a good guy, and not very well social so socially functioning uh, either. Uh, coming from a guy who is not very well socially functioning, I mean, let's be honest, just from everything you know about me, right? Uh, but he's he's definitely... Ross has some issues that he needs to explore and uh, figure out a way to better adapt into society. Uh, he should be on one of several different lists that he's not on. Uh, but, yeah, so there are things like that that jump out at you. But there are also really great moments and really great turns of phrase that are just still in my life that I forgot that I say because of friends, you know? And it's still really fun, and if you can, if you're of the mindset that you can put yourself in that time and be just kind of okay with whatever should offend you, or and there's really not that much of that, but whatever should, uh, you can have a lot of fun with this show, still. A lot of it has aged really well for all the stuff that didn't. A lot of it really did and aged really well. And I'll tell you this, I thought I was going to be sadder watching uh, Matthew Perry than uh, than I have been. Because, you know, yeah, every now and again you do sort of think about and realize, oh, wow, he's no longer with us. You know, that does hit you every now and again. But for the most part, you kind of start watching the show and kind of forget, you know, and you just start having fun again. And that's really the gift that art and artists give you, is that no matter how time moves on, if the art survives and is able to survive and able to still be relevant there's still fun and enjoyment to be had from it no matter no matter what you maybe should feel about it you can look at something like that and still be entertained you know and that's just been kind of nice for me and it's been nice revisiting all these episodes that i haven't thought about in you know 10 15 years whatever it's been since friends was daily in my life on at least three different stations you know <laughs> i uh I I haven't thought about some of these episodes in a long time. But at the same time, most of them and most of the big plot beats and everything have just never left my brain and never left my consciousness. Like, I just, I had that show memorized for a little while there, you know? And I just, uh, it's been nice walking around in that world again and kind of feeling some of those feelings again because you... You remember, oh, this is what happens in this plot, and you know that that's eventually going there. But watching it anew after not watching it for a while pulls at your heartstrings all over again, makes you laugh all over again, gets your attention all over again. I mean, that it's it's really working, you know. Like it's been years, and it's still working. So there's a full series box set out there. I think it's like 80 bucks on Amazon. I just got curious at what you know everybody was charging for. I think it's like 80 bucks on Amazon for some reason. Uh, but I got it for like 40. Uh, I don't know. Again, maybe they mislabeled it and nobody cared. It, whatever. If you can find it, I'll be honest with you, probably worth the 80 bucks to have 20 Blu-rays, you know, that are going to survive when all the streaming services shut down and suddenly you don't have your shows anymore, you can come to me. I've got friends on Blu-ray. We can watch it together and have fun. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I still collect. Because at some point, your favorite shows are just going to be removed from the internet and there's not going to be anything you can do about that.
That's that's a reality. That's happened to people already, man. So when that happens with Friends, when HBO lets the license lapse and NBC somehow doesn't pick it back up, why they ever let it go, I'll never understand. Uh, once that happens, you know, let me know. You can come over, bring beer. We'll have beer and watch Friends. Maybe we'll order a pizza. It'll be a good time. You can leave your car parked in my driveway. My car will probably be in the shop again. You can just leave it there for a couple days if you want to, and just just hang out with me and we'll watch Friends, and your car will be in my driveway, and we'll have pizza and beer, and doesn't have to get weird. Doesn't have to get weird. One of us can sleep on the couch. The other one can sleep either in the bed or on the floor or what have you. We can, we can make a whole thing of it. Am I flirting with my entire fan base at the same time? I think I might be flirting with my entire fan base. Sorry, let's move on. Uh, I've also been watching Doctor Who. I've been watching the new Doctor Who specials that came out with David Tennant returning as the Doctor for just three episodes. Uh, and look, spoilers galore if you haven't gotten into those yet, because they're still fairly recent. So I think we're still in the sort of time frame where I have to say spoilers on it, even though... The BBC and the Doctor Who Facebook pages have put out all of the spoilers. Whatever. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, there's, uh, th there's been some new Doctor Who episodes. David Tennant returned to kind of usher Russell T. Davies back in as the showrunner, uh, producer, whatever his title is. And uh, they produced some really wonderful stories together. And I thought about talking about them, you know, one week to the next on the show, but I figured, eh, I'll just wait until all three of them are done and then do a, a catch-all, which is what we're doing here. Uh, I gotta tell you, it was really good to see David Tennant as the Doctor again. I had my doubts about that, to be honest with you. It felt a little bit, it felt a little bit like cheating, you know, but they, they handled it well. Um, and I, uh, I, I, I don't I don't really know how to explain this if you haven't experienced the show in this way. Russell T. Davies wrote or, or ran the show for all of the David Tennant years, and then Matt Smith came in and we had Stephen Moffat, and uh, then we had uh, Chris Ch Ch Chinnabal? Is that how you say it? I don't have the name in front of me. I think it's Chinnabal. I've never tried to say that name out loud before, but I think that's it. Uh, we, you know, we've had a couple of showrunners since Russell T. Davies. He had to step down at the time because of some... Uh, I believe some health issues with his partner, if memory serves at the time. My apologies if that's wrong. But he stepped down from that, and he was still running Sherlock as well, and he just had to focus on, you know, one thing or the other and also be in a family, you know? So he stepped down from that. And he re returned, and oh, what a triumphant return. I didn't—you you really don't realize how much you miss the Russell T. Davies style until you have it back, you know? Because he's just so good. He's just so fucking good. And these were really great stories. Our first story back had you know, the David Tennant doctor reuniting with his old friend Donna Noble, uh, played by, uh, oh, God, hang on, what is her name? Uh, she's just Donna Noble to me in my head right now. Even though I know her from other things, why can't I get it? Be with you in a second. Hang on. Almost there. It's Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate plays Donna Noble. Ha! Uh, I didn't look that up, I promise you. Uh, yeah, so he reunites with her, and she's got a daughter now, and her parents are aged. Uh, we get, in the second episode, uh, in the second episode, we get the 
brief, all too brief return of, of Wilfred Mott, played by our wonderful Bernard Cribbins, who uh, passed away actually just a little bit after filming that one scene that he was able to do. He was in uh, poor health. He did his one scene, and you know w- that was all he was able to do, and passed away not long thereafter. Uh, but oh God, it was good to see him again with that doctor, you know. Um, but our first episode, we just have you know the old gang getting back together, basically, to at first help out an alien from outer space who is an adorable kind of kitty catish alien that's fluffy and white called the Meep. Uh, M-E-E-P, Meep. And, uh, I fell in love with the Meep. I was, like, it was on the screen for two seconds. I was like, oh my god, I love it. Like, and it was so sweet and cute. And then it turns out that it's the bad guy, and it, like, gets all snarly and mean-looking. But I, I, it was still too cute. (laughs) I I still loved it. I still want more Meep. Uh, it was, it was just this adorable, evil little thing that was like, ah, it's just like a cat. You know, (laughs) it's adorable and evil. Uh, no offense, boys. You're you're both very sweet and angelic, but your kind tends to have claws, as as you both know, having claws. They're here in the room with me. I'm trying to uh, save some face here. You get it. You understand what's happening. Uh, I got caught talking about them, basically. Uh, so, <laughs> I, uh, but I loved the meep, and like there's a moment in that where it's you know hail the meep from its followers. And, uh, uh, like, after the episode, my dad and I were texting about it, and uh, I said, uh, I love the Meep, even when it turned, you know, evil, still too cute, you know, love the Meep. And he replied, hail the Meep, and I replied, hail the Meep. And so, like, all right, dad and I are on the same page about Meep. Uh, and we, so, you know, I just, I, and it was a fun thing just to kind of get the the gang back together and get, you know, the new sort of tone established and whatnot, and introduce a non-binary character, introduce a trans character in uh, Donna Noble's daughter, who is named Rose, coincidentally, for Doctor Who fans. Um, and uh, that was actually sort of pivotal to the, the plot of the show in a way that was lovely and inclusive, and God bless Russell T. Davies for doing what all of media should be doing. Uh, a man who very much understands and, and knows why that's necessary, and uh, God bless him for doing that. Uh, so that episode was fine. It was great. Eventually we defeat the Meep and everybody's happy. Uh, although the Meep leaves the Doctor with some foreboding words that, uh, you know, I'm sure will pay off somewhere down the line. I hope we get a lot more Meep and that it's somehow gotten bigger and uh, <laughs> and even <laughs> even more wonderful. Um, that's uh, uh, looking forward to that somewhere down the line. The second episode was your classic Doctor Who horror episode took place on a mostly abandoned spaceship, trying to figure out the mysteries thereof. Even the TARDIS runs away from it and leaves the Doctor and Donna there to sort things out and to deal with an evil that is looks almost destined to kill them. Like, it looks really dark and scary for a while. Uh, and I, I, I love when Doctor Who does that. It, it put me in mind of the... Uh, Oh, what is the name of the planet? Is it Midnight? Is that the name of the planet? I think it's Midnight, the planet where, like, the Doctor's on a, tr- uh, a, a trolley train thing uh, going across, and, it like, the, the, the train breaks down, and there's the alien on, on board who is, like, the way it gets you is it steals your voice and then turns everyone against you. That's uh, th- that one. I think it's, I think it's the planet Midnight. Uh, it reminded me of that. It put me in, in the mind of that tone. It, in places, was even maybe a little bit darker than that, and I really liked 
walking around in that version of the doctor. And at one point, the doctor gets angry and just lets out the anger. And nobody does the anger of the doctor like David Tennant. And I just, I really loved it. It was great. They really, they really did a lot in these three episodes to give closure to that version of the doctor that we kind of didn't get initially. You know, they, they, they gave that doctor a little bit more of a send off than, than it seemed like he got, even, even though the original end of the tenant doctor, we got like a bunch of specials and they, I, they certainly paid off everything that they could with them. It just seemed like, yeah, but we really love this guy. Let's, <laughs> let's just give him a little bit more, you know, and they, and they did it wonderfully. They actually led somewhere that is interesting and a little bit of a middle finger to continuity, but also redeems itself when you start thinking about the continuity. I'm ahead of myself. We'll get there. The second, the second episode had that nice, dark, scary vibe of, of Doctor Who that I really dig and that so many of us dig. The uh, third episode is off the rails, just crazy town banana pants. And uh, it had Neil Patrick Harris in it. That might be all you need to know. It was just Crazy Town Banana Pants because it had Neil Patrick Harris in it playing the old villain, the toy maker, who I think might have been... I mean, he's been on the show before, but it's been decades. Uh, I mean, several doctors ago, like before the New Who launch with Christopher Eccleston. Uh, I mean, ancient, ancient villain uh, who is playing games with the doctor and it's a game for his life and uh, all of that. And Neil Patrick Harris is over the top and fun and switching accents at will. He's doing German. He's doing French. He's doing, I think there was Italian in there at one point. Like his accent's just all over the place. I don't think he actually used his real voice at any point, interestingly. But he just, uh, he kept switching accents and stuff just to sort of have fun with the the weird nature of the character and just kind of keep you a little bit off step with them. And uh, at one point he came in and, Lip and lip synced to Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girls. That was fun for me and probably for other Spice fans out there. Uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I like it was a big talking point on Twitter how fun that was. Um, but hey, it's Doctor Who. Eventually the Doctor's going to win out and Neil Patrick Harris gets, you know, reduced to nothing. Uh, and we get a little tease of the Master who's going to return, apparently. Because uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, the toy maker, is, uh, has a gold tooth that is uh, somehow infused with the Master's consciousness, and he's using the Master's consciousness to help him one-up the Doctor. Uh, at the end of the thing, Neil Patrick Harris is more or less reduced to dust. All that survived is the gold tooth, and we see a red nail polish uh, hand uh, well, red nail polish fingers on a hand, uh, come in, pick up the tooth, and take it out of frame. Nice little throwback to the last time that Russell brought back the master. The hand of the Rani has returned, uh, for those of you who know that reference. Um, four of you, four of you know that reference, but that was for you. Um, so yeah, the, the toy maker goes away. But during all of that, we get the debut of the new Doctor, because... The current Doctor is injured in a way that is fatal, and dies, and when that happens, well, and is going to die, sorry, I actually, he doesn't, but he's, he should, by what we know of the show up to this point, he should die, but he doesn't. Instead, he bi-generates, bi-regenerates, I don't remember exactly how they said it, 
But basically, he splits into two. The new doctor just kind of pushes out of the old doctor, and they're both just standing there, and now there's two doctors. What? 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 There's two doctors. David Tennant gets to live. And uh, the, the, now we've just got the new doctor, who's, uh, I guess, what is he? I guess 15 now is how many doctors we're up to? Is that right? I think it's 15. Uh, and I believe the new guy's name, I looked this up and I, I saw a phonetic pronunciation that I'm assuming is correct. Uh, he has a name that I'm not familiar with. If you listen to this show, you know that I am terrible at pronouncing names that I'm not, like, totally sure on. Uh, like, I, you know, if I, if it's Jeff Smith, but it's spelled a little weird, I'm gonna guess, you know? Not even just that, words. Words in general. Uh, mogul is how you pronounce mogul, as I was saying it last week. Mogul. Like, Mo Howard and a seagull. Mogul. Got that? Worked out. Uh, but the new guy's name, uh, it's a spelling that I was unfamiliar with, but I believe it's actually pronounced uh, Shute Gatwa, I believe is how you say it. Uh, and I would not have gotten to Shute, because it has it starts with an N. Uh, I would have guessed uh, Nukute uh, or something like that. I, I would have gotten it wrong, but apparently it's Shute, according to the thing that I read that I have not confirmed but I assume was telling the truth because it looked like a fairly legitimate Doctor Who fan source. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, someone please correct me. Email the thing, db at derekbrink.com. Let me know. I'm always glad to get someone's name right. But I, I think I actually did, and I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, so yeah, he emerges from the David Tennant Doctor, and I immediately fell in love with him. He's high energy, he's fun, he's compassionate. There's a moment in it where the David Tennant Doctor, who's still racked with all the feelings of the last several incarnations of the Doctor, is having a horrible moment and is, you know, breaking down a little bit. And the new Doctor, the Gatwa Doctor, just walks over and hugs him and tells him it's okay and takes care of him. Took care of himself for a little while. There's a message there. I'm unclear on what it is because I'm broken, but it was lovely. Just watching the doctor console the doctor for a little bit. That was so nice. It gets to be a problem for, you know, traditional Doctor Who thinking, because we've now got two doctors walking around. But at the end of the episode, the David Tennant doctor, who gets to keep his own TARDIS, by the way, for some reason, like, still has all the powers of the doctor, still has all the resources of the doctor, but he's decided that he's retired. He's just going to hang out with Donna Noble and family. He went from being the lone wolf doctor where everything and everyone he's ever known has died to having a family and getting to just live out his life with his family. And isn't that lovely? And yeah, it's a cheat. And yeah, it's difficult to wrap your head around for you know all of the continuity reasons and all that stuff. But here's the thing, is it? Because... Think back to the 50th anniversary special with me, Whovians. The Matt Smith running around with David Tennant, and we got to see, like, all of the Doctors at different points in it. At the very end of that episode, spoiler for a 10-year-old episode of Doctor Who, at the very end of, of that episode, Matt Smith's hanging out in what is basically the Doctor Who museum of, you know, units, artifacts related to the Doctor, 
and uh, he jokes around and says, uh, says quietly to himself that maybe he'll retire and run this place. And then we hear a very familiar voice say, yes, I think you might. And he turns around, and it's Tom fucking Baker. Tom Baker, my favorite doctor, everybody's favorite doctor of a certain age, uh, is just standing there, and he's the curator of the Doctor Who museum, effectively. And he identifies himself as the curator and says, yes, yeah, so you, you may even go back and visit a few, a few favorite faces. And that's, that's who retired with Donna Noble. The David Tennant doctor retired with Donna Noble. He's gone to run the Doctor Who branch of the of unit's you know, museum to himself. And he tries on his old faces as he wants to. They, they layered it in. They've, they fulfilled a promise from 10 years ago. Nobody fucking does that like Doctor Who. Nobody plays the long con like Doctor Who. We got our curator at the end of these episodes. And I'll tell you this. When Gatwa Doctor flew away and Tenet Doctor was still on Earth and got his last little goodbye, I just thought, eh, I don't know if I like that. It feels like a cheat. And then I remembered the curator and I went... Russell T. Davies, you son of a bitch, you did it. You did it. You tied it all together. You fulfilled a 10-year promise. He's so fucking good. He's so fucking good at doing this stuff. He might not even have had that in mind 10 years ago. He's not even the guy that did that episode. But he, he did it. He knows his shit. He went back in time and looked at it because Russell T. Davies is a fucking time lord. He went back in time, looked at that, and paid it off. And it was wonderful once you figured it out. And he didn't hit you over the head with it. He let you figure it out. God, he's good. We get a new Doctor Who episode on Christmas. We get our first full-on Gatwa episode on Christmas. I could not be more excited. I haven't been this excited for a Doctor Who episode in a long time. And that's not on the, the other Doctors. I really liked Peter Capaldi. I came around on Jodie Whittaker. I was very excited for Jodie Whittaker at first. The first season kind of sucked. The second season really got there. And yeah, I, I ended up really liking Jodie's Doctor. But I, I, I haven't been this charged for the new guy in a long time. And boy, that feels good. That's not on the other Doctors, by the way. That's mostly on me. There were... A number of years there where I was going through some stuff and I just didn't have the whimsical spirit to enjoy sci-fi in the same way. But uh, uh, even though I still enjoyed it and still watched it and still kept up and I'm still an encyclopedia of nonsense in my head and still weaving Doctor Who scarves and things, this is the first time I've been this excited in a very long time. And it feels great. Because Russell T. Davies is a master of the craft and a master of what he does and he's back doing it and it's going to be great. I cannot look forward more to Christmas. I'm so excited for Christmas because there's going to be a new doctor in my life. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool, Whovians? We got a new doctor coming forth. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. It's going to be great. So that's what I've been watching lately. Been watching Friends and Doctor Who and having just a really great time. Hope you've been too. about church girls Well yeah I guess they say a couple of things but you know the one I'm talking about Seems like a pretty good deal when
when you're 16 and you're looking for a reason to repent. But I'd like to think I know better by Okay, now. kids. Checkmates, I suppose. Uh, we got some music that I want to talk about. This, uh, this segment is weirdly informed by Shane McGowan's funeral, but uh, I'm not going to talk about him so much as I am a couple of people who sang at it. You know all of this from the intro of the show. Don't know why I'm leading into it this way as though you, you don't. I want to talk about uh, the new album by uh, Glenn Hansard. Or Hansard? I actually have never heard him say his own name. I've always said Hansard. I'm familiar with the guy a little bit, but uh, uh, haven't done like the deep dive with him. But I've got his new record in my hand, which is called uh, All That Was East... <clears throat> I choked on nothing. Sorry about that. All That Was East Is West Of Me Now is the name of the album by Glenn Hansard. It's, uh, it came out this year, uh, I think a little while ago, actually, and was on my radar because I've liked some of his stuff over the years. If, uh, if you don't know his solo stuff, and uh, really, uh, you should probably know his solo stuff. His solo stuff is very successful. But uh, you, you might be more familiar with him as a uh, member of The Frames, or you might be more familiar with him from the Swell season, uh, including the movie that they did that kind of led to the band, more or less. Uh, what was that called? Was that called Once? Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on that. This I actually am Googling. Uh, Swell Season. The Swell Season musical band. That'll tell me. Uh, it was called, looking for the Wikipedia page. Why is it so hard to find the Wikipedia page? Come on, Google, you're usually better than this. There it is. Uh, the movie that they were in, this is not worth your time, was called, how is it not highlighted on their Wikipedia page? Once. It was called Once. I was right all along. This was a colossal waste of your time. The Swell Season. You might be familiar with them. Glenn Hansard released a new album this year. A new solo album called All That Was East Is West Of Me Now. Uh, Glenn Hansard also was in the movie The Commitments. He was the guitar player in The Commitments. Can't remember the character name. But uh, it was the guitar player in the, in, the, in the Commitments. That's definitely the first place I would have been familiar with him from because I remember my dad uh, watching that movie on VHS. I think we rented it from a blockbuster video. And uh, I, remember, uh, I remember him watching that and just being kind of like fascinated with it. I was like, why are there all these sweary English and Irish guys and what's happening? And they're in a band? You know, and uh, I, I really like The Commitments. Uh, I don't own a copy of The Commitments on Blu-ray yet. If anybody's looking for, like, a last-minute Christmas present for me, I am absolutely not going to buy that before Christmas. My car's in the shop. But uh, uh, if anybody needs, like, a last-minute Christmas gift for me, and you're going to, you know, see me, uh, <laughs> The Commitments movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Based on a book by Roddy Doyle. I've read a lot of Roddy Doyle. I actually haven't read the book that, that The Commitments is based on, but I've read a lot of Roddy Doyle, and he's great. Glenn Hansard, guitar player in The Commitments. Uh, he's got a great solo career. Several wonderful albums of varying genre. Uh, he's, 
if I had to, I mean, the genre is like indie rock bordering on indie folk at places, but he's, he's sort of what most people think that the national are. Uh, I like the national, but the national, uh, like every album should come with a warning sticker that it, it, a side effect might be a nap. Uh, Glenn Hansard has a little bit more energy than the national. Uh, but, I mean, there are sloths who have more energy than The National, and I like The National. I'm not just shitting on The National, but they're very low-key and very sort of sleepy. Glenn, Glenn Hansard does that, but he also does a little bit more energy and a little bit more, like, you can tell that he cares about what he's saying and is a, a little bit more emphatic in how he says it and a little bit more emphatic in how he arranges his music. There are drums that get your blood moving a little bit every now and again. But he he does do sparse arrangements very well, and all of that is happening at once on the new album, on All That Was East Is West Of Me Now. I also just really like that turn of phrase. That's a very Irish thing to say. All that was east is west of... All that was east is west of me now. That's a very Irish thing to say. And uh, I, he's got one of those voices where uh, he, is, he is Irish, that's, you know, but uh, he doesn't have, in his singing voice, he doesn't, doesn't have the thick accent that you associate with Irish musicians. It's there in his speaking voice, you can hear it in his speaking voice, and you can hear it on certain words or certain, certain vowel sounds in his singing voice, but as so many musicians who are English-speaking do... He's a little bit trained it out of his singing voice. His singing voice is a little bit more, you know, American-sounding. Uh, and not probably not even in, intentionally. It's probably just the nature of slowing down his, his diction, and that slows down his accent, and it rounds out his vowels in a way that he just sounds a little less Irish when he's singing than he does when he's speaking. Uh, and that's both... That's probably a benefit to him in large parts of the world, but uh, I I would love him to just sound full on Irish. I, you know, I I I I love a good Irish accent. Uh, but uh, I I don't know why I said all that really, other than it's an observation. He doesn't sound that Irish when he's singing. You could be forgiven for thinking that he's not Irish, but he he very much is, and you can. You can feel that in his wordplay and in how he writes. You can feel, you know, the spirit of a, 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 a James Joyce or uh, uh, a, a, a second Irish person. Um, <laughs> I had one. I had another Irish author, and it just flew out of my head. But you can you can feel you can feel that heritage of writer when he is. And when you really look at the words that he's writing, but you don't hear it so much in the accent. But he writes these beautiful, sort of slightly folky rock songs that are very indie sounding, except with really good fidelity. And uh, I, I just love what he does, and I need to do a much deeper dive with them than I have. Because I'll be honest with you, checkmates, up until this album, my entire Glenn Hansard experience has been on Spotify and similar streaming services. This is the first one I've actually bought. And uh, I have some buying to do in the new year. I gotta buy his solo stuff. I gotta get the frame stuff. The Swell Season stuff. There's only two albums there. 
I mean, I think his entire discography is like less than twenty albums. Like that, I I can work that out in a year. But like, I gotta, I gotta go back and dive into this guy's back catalog because I I I I picked up the new one and I listened to the new one and I really liked it. And this last couple of weeks have been frustrating for me. And I I'm not gonna lie to you, and I'll just pepper this in real quick. I've had a couple of panic attacks, and I've been listening to Glenn Hansard. In, in the wake of that, and I really find his voice soothing. And I love that, and I love the sort of tone of the music that he presents, and um, this is a great album, and you should listen to it. If you're expecting Irish jigs, you're not going to get it. If you're expecting Irish reels or Irish morning songs, you're not going to get it. But you're going to get great indie rock and indie folk songs. And I have a cat desperately meowing in the background that I should probably check on. I think he's just playing with his spring toy and he wants me to look at him. So we're going to try that, and then we're going to talk about another album. Buddy, where are you? You okay? Yeah, you okay. You got your spring toy. You got your toy. You having fun? You just sounded like you were being killed. That's all. Well, I'm sorry, but you did. Meow at me. I love you. You're a very sweet boy. Where's your brother? What'd you do with him? Is he cool? Alright. The, the cats seem to be fine. Uh, we are going to move on. We're going to talk about the other half of the duo who sang the, the best Christmas song ever written at Shane McGowan's funeral. We're going to talk about Lisa O'Neill, who is a voice that I am familiar with because I, I make it my business to know about Irish music. And uh, she she does have the Irish accent. She's uh, d- there is no question when you hear her talk or saying, "Oh, this person's from Ireland," and uh, she's uh, got very much of the accent. She's very loud uh, in the in that wonderful Irish way. And she put out an album this year called uh, "All of This Is Chance," which is uh, one of those titles that's very evocative and that kind of gets your attention. Uh, another one of those sort of Irish things is all of this is chance. You know, you can you hear that in a in an Irish accent, and you go, "Well, I kind of want to hear what you have to say." You know, and uh, I'll I'll tell you this: I listened to the album, and what she had to say was very gripping. She, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, she's got one of those voices that I love, but for a lot of Americans, it's not going to be for everybody. It's going to be for people who appreciate an Irish accent. Because she's she does have that, the Irish accent in a singing voice. Can uh, McGuire? It's okay. He's he's hearing me say things about Irish people, and he's worried because he's Irish because he's a redhead and he's named McGuire. Um, it, it's okay, buddy. I'm not knocking anybody. Uh, the Irish accent in a singing voice can result in feeling very big, and feeling very big can result in feeling. Very, uh, like, I don't want to say clumsy, but it can, it can, a a big voice is hard to control, is what I'm saying. And Lisa O'Neill has a very big voice, and you could be forgiven for hearing it and hearing the accent and going, I I think she's off key, and I think she's, you're not quite doing this right. You're wrong. She's on key, and her voice is beautiful, and you're just not used to the accent, and you're just not used to how much she's projecting, how much of her diaphragm she is using in getting these words out. Because the Irish do that. They do 
when they're, if they're going to say something, by God, you're going to hear it because it's important. You know, and she's, uh, she's got that tone and that feel to her voice. The album is very folky, very laid back, very, uh, it's that uh, uh, drag-ass sad music that I love, but that uh, you're not going to hear on radio that often. At least not in the States. Uh, people in Ireland and the UK, they know who she is. Uh, although she's at that level where she's not a household name, and I love that level. You know, but if, uh, the she's so much of the music that I like falls into the category that she does and that Glenn Hansard does. It's for the kind of people who like that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that kind of person likes. Like she's she's that level. You know, <laughs> and uh, I apologize, folks. We've got a wildly meowing Maguire in the background, and if you're hearing any of that, you might think he's being murdered. He is happily playing with one of those plastic spring toys that he loves. Like, he's held on to this one for weeks and weeks. He usually you know, hides and loses them. He's held on to this little red one for just weeks, and he's playing with it, and he's having a great time. It doesn't sound great in the background of a podcast, but we're going to keep talking, because that's how this show works. Imagine how good this show could be if it was run by professionals who worked in a, just a different room than their cats. But that's, uh, that's not what empty checking is. On this show, we work with cats. That's probably going to be the episode title. On this show, we work with cats. And on this show, we also really like the newest Lisa O'Neill record called All of This is Chance. You should give it a listen if you're like me and you love a good Irish accent and you like drag-ass, sad, folky music. Uh, that's I Look, I, I'm saying that, and I know that that sounds like an insult to those of you who are big Lisa O'Neill fans. It's absolutely a compliment coming from me. I love drag-ass, sad, folky music. I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan. By the way, Leonard Cohen, uh, Glenn Hansard really reminds me of Leonard Cohen in a lot of what he does in uh, some of the vocal choices that he makes. I, he's got to be a big fan. I don't actually know that much about the guy, but he's got to be a big fan. Uh, but it, I, I, I love the kind of folk music that some of you are going to take a nap to. That's like where I live and I'm energized by it and I'm intrigued and fascinated and listening very closely and wondering, hmm, I wonder why they made exactly that choice there with the with that instrument getting a little bit louder than it has been throughout the rest of the song. And the answer to that is the hit the string a little bit harder. But I, I, I think about it in that way. I, I really dive deep into folk music and into uh, sad drag ass music. I really like that. I, I, that's, that's my home. That's comforting to me. And this Lisa O'Neill album has been really, really comforting. And I've really, really loved it. Uh, she is a wonderful Irish voice that if you like Irish music, you probably need to check her out. Although if you like the, you know, if you like the up, you know, I don't know what the hell that was. Sorry. If you like the jigs and the, you know, dancing around Irish music, that's not what she does. And I don't think she probably ever will, unless it's just kind of for fun. Uh, I guess she did that a little bit at Shane McGowan's funeral, but that's, that's not her default. But, uh, if you like, if you like the kind of music I've been describing for the last little bit here, she does it very, very, very elegantly, very, very well. You're going to want to pour a glass of something and have it while you're listening to it. Uh, maybe a glass of wine. Maybe it's not whiskey. Maybe it's wine. Maybe it's not beer. Maybe it's wine to listen to that album. That album feels like it's maybe maybe a fine wine listen. But yeah, Lisa O'Neill's 
uh, all of this is chance. Really, really like it. I'm not sure it's going to hit my Fab 15 for the year, which, by the way, Dave and I are recording very soon, but uh, it is an excellent album, and I couldn't recommend it more. We have one more album to talk about. We're stepping out of the world of the Irish, but we're stepping into something that grew out of folk music, kind of. So we're still in the same basic wheelhouse, that you couldn't get farther away from the accent. There's a new Neil Young album out there called Before and After. Uh, this one, I will tell you right away, is not eligible for my Fab 15, or it would probably be there. Uh, this is an album where Neil Young is doing new, very sparse, acoustic-y, piano-driven, like, basically solo performances of old Neil Young songs. A uh, bunch of songs that you do not know, uh, some of which I can't place from his previous career. I mean, the guy's got you know, dozens of records. So it's, he's, if he wants to do a deep cut, he doesn't have to look far. Uh, probably the best known song on it is Mr. Soul, the old Buffalo Springfield song. He does a, a solo run of that. I think, I think at one or two other points on the album, there is a second person like playing a, a, a separate keyboard or something. But for the most part, it's Neil by himself, just doing like a one man show version, but like not with an audience. He doesn't do a lot of touring anymore. But that's always been the version of Neil that has toured the best and the people have loved the best, is Neil just sitting there with a guitar and a piano and maybe his pump organ and telling stories and playing the songs and just kind of playing whatever he wants to. And that's what he did here. It seems like he... Most of the songs kind of bleed into each other. There's a lot of crossfading happened. It seems like he... Happening. He seems like he structured this one as a live show, but just didn't bother to take it in front of an audience. He just set up, you know, in a fairly echoey room and just played a set that he wanted to play. And if you're a longtime Neil Young fan, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. You want this record. If you're new to Neil Young, this might be a really interesting thing to add to your collection and give you an idea of like, okay, I like this weird song. What's that on? And I want to explore more of that era. That's yeah, Neil Young is, you know, in his 70s. He's at the end of his career. He's doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. And he's been doing a lot of archival stuff. He's been doing a lot of weird experimental stuff. And on this one, he's visiting the past and giving it a fresh coat of paint, but with a very small brush because he's just doing acoustic and just doing piano and organ and stuff. And giving you interesting looks at songs of his that you probably overlooked in the first place. And I'm a huge Neil Young fan. I've got a bunch of his albums, and there are a bunch more that I still need to pick up. It's crazy what he's got out there. But I was very glad to add this to my collection. It's been a really interesting listen. And if you're anything like me, if you're a Neil Young person, pick up Neil Young's Before and After. You probably won't be disappointed unless you're the kind of person who just looks for disappointment. So... That's it. That's the music that I wanted to talk about. I could go on about Neil Young forever. I think you'd know that. I think I've done that on this show in the past. But that's really all I wanted to say about that. It's Neil Young doing a bunch of his old songs that are not at all hits, except for Mr. Soul. And uh, it's great. I really like it. And maybe you will too, is all. Very uh, folky music section this time. I still got a meow and cat in the background. I should go play with him a little bit. 
and just kind of get the meowing to stop for the outro. It would have been great if the meowing had stopped at some point during the previous hour of this show, but maybe for the maybe for the outro, we can get a little bit of quiet. There he goes again. Let's, uh, I, I hope you're hearing that, and I don't just sound like a crazy person. Wouldn't it be weird if one day you found out that I don't actually have cats, and I'm just insane? I'm just, like, a crazy guy who, like, is occasionally spewing his thoughts into your radio, uh, and I, but I, I have cats. Please trust me. He's meowing in the background. If you can't hear him, at least know that I can, which doesn't help the might-not-have-cats theory. Maybe I should post some pictures of the cats on the blog. Probably not going to remember to do that. Let's uh, play some music and then say goodnight. Checkmates, during that last break, I glanced at my Facebook and found out that Northwestern just lost to Chicago State. I don't even know what sport that is, but my friend Brian seems emphatic about it. Uh, So that's going on. Hope you had a good time in this episode. I did, and it seems like McGuire's having a great time playing with his spring in the background. He's right now on my area rug, just like hunting it. Uh, I mean, you can see it. It's in plain view. He's the one that set it there. But uh, he just pounced. Okay, he's got it. Uh, so he's he's having a good old time. I had a good old time talking to you. Really took my mind off the uh, car being in the shop. And the fact that it's night now and my driveway is empty. And I'm a little scared. Uh, so thank you for being there for me, checkmates. That's what I'm saying to you. I uh, I uh, really love doing this show, and I'm, I'm glad that you keep allowing me to do it. I really appreciate that. Maybe one day we'll have ads and things on the show, and I can actually start making money at it rather than just spending money on it. Uh, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm perfectly happy if this stays like this forever. Because once you have ads, you have to start paying attention to what your sponsors think. And I don't care. I just want to do this show the way that I do it, you know? Uh, I'm not a metrics guy. I'm not an ads guy. I don't want to appease anybody. I want to talk to you about my dumb fascinations. And some of you will love it, and some of you won't care at all. And either way, that's fine. You know, (laughs) and I, I think we've established that relationship over the years. I like it. Many of you seem to like it. Even if we eventually have to do ad reads on this thing, I'm I'm not going to change a damn thing. So if you hear me talking about Manscaped in the future, Manscaped will never do an ad on this show. I'm I'm absolutely never doing an ad for Manscaped. I I find those intrusive and insulting. But uh if you hear me talking about uh HelloFresh, I'll do an ad for HelloFresh. The HelloFresh people are listening. Or I'll do an ad for uh, certs, the fresh maker. Uh I'll, you know, they're they're definitely I I I'm willing to sell my soul to many things, and I think you'll find that my soul is surprisingly affordable. Uh, but uh, uh, even if that ever happens, I'll still be your good old Uncle Derek, and I'll still say fuck and get drunk during the Fab 15 and everything. Uh, I've never gotten drunk during the Fab 15, but I am drinking vodka during it. 
uh, drinking water while I'm talking to you tonight. This is what I'm like normal. This is uh, this is sober. Uh, so that's that's a window into what I'm like. Uh, I don't have anything else to say, really. I'm hoping that my car repair is easy and cheap. Above all, cheap. Frankly, I don't, I don't care if it's easy for them. I just want it to be cheap, and I want it to be done for, like, a while. Um, or just, I mean, somehow luck into an, a relatively expensive car that is in better shape. Doesn't have to be even any newer, just in better shape, you know? Uh... I really wish I didn't have to keep talking about my damn car on this show. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for being here and for allowing me to do this and for having some fun with me. I had fun with you. McGuire had fun with all of us. And I am having fun with McGuire. He's now stalking around the room looking for his spring, which he seems to have lost. Jonko is still MIA. I think he wandered off to take a nap elsewhere because he's uninterested in what I have to say or what his brother is doing. That's your cat update. Folks, we'll get back together again next week. Let me actually look at the calendar. What have we got in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think you'll get an episode that's just me next week, and then the week after that, like right before Christmas, you'll probably get a get the Fab 15. Or the... Wait, is that right? Wait a minute. No, I think you might... I think the next episode might be the Fab 15, if I can get it edited in time. We'll see. You'll either get an episode from me next week, and then you'll get the Fab 15 between Christmas and New Year's, or the other way around. Actually, I might take off the week between Christmas and New Year's. That's, you know, if you get if you get a Fab 15, we get, you know, two weeks in between episodes, because that's just best for my sanity. So, ideally, that'd be perfect. We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening. You're going to get the Fab 15, uh, my, mine and Dave's Fab 15 albums of 2023. If you've been listening to this show throughout 2023, you might have an inkling of some of the stuff that's going to be on my list. I have no idea what's going to be on Dave's. So that's going to be a fun one. I don't think we're likely to come up with a final list on that one unless we just happen to have 15 in common. But uh, we are going to have some fun talking about what we liked this past year. And that could really go either way. That might be the shortest Fab 15 episode ever, or it might be the longest Fab 15 episode ever. It remains to be seen. You'll see a little bit after I've seen. So that's that. Uh, we need to wrap up the show. We're over an hour, and it's uh, I, I've, I'm just having too much fun talking to you. Some of you might even be bored by now with the sound of my voice. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for making me part of your week. Please remember to do whatever keeps you happy, healthy, and safe. Please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And checkmates, please be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Spice up your life!